Hello and welcome to Mega City Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comics. I'm Eamon Clark, and my guests returning from that extremely noisy bar at Lawless for episode 95. It's a warm welcome back to Art 92's very own Damien Edwardson. Damien, welcome back. Hello. First things first, Damien. How is Marty the wet, the, the, the wonder rescue dog? He's fine. Now he's had a piece of metal removed from his paw, um, which we're not sure where he got it from. But yeah, he had to have some um, some kind of ad hoc surgery yesterday. Uh, luckily, they didn't have to sedate him. They just rubbed a load of localised numbing cream and then I had to sit for two hours in the vets with him. But yeah, he's fine now. He's back back to normal. Just got to keep him out of the mud for a couple of days. And um, he's back to lying on his bed and not moving much and wearing fancy jumpers. So yeah, he's good. Thank you Very for asking. Good. No worries, the Art Nine Two dog. Uh, so he's the office um, manager technically, but is um, he? Oh, that's right. Yes. Well, he's supposed to be, but I'll tell you what, mate, I'm going to check how long his probation period is because he's just not pulling his weight. <laughs> <laughs> he's not doing the job. Yeah. Um, before we get to today's books, any recent 2018 news or acquisitions that you've picked up during lockdown? I have actually. I've probably done what a lot of people did during lockdown, which is I've gone back and I've been looking at filling holes in my collection because I've had a bit of time to um, sift through and have a look at what I've got because I've not been sitting for four hours a day commuting. So sure. I've been going through and I've filled in some gaps around Dice Man, which I was prompted by your good show, which I really enjoyed. Oh, right, yes. Because um, I used to have them all when I was younger and then for some reason I only ended up with a couple of them. So I filled those gaps. I filled in a couple of gaps from the um, the first Eagle collected run that they did of um, to, of Judge Dread, you know, from uh, the eighties. Oh yes, with the, yeah. the wonderful Bolland covers. I mean, I must admit, you know, I I, I wanted them um, really for the Bolland covers because I think it they is, were isn't it? Yeah. beautiful. Those. Um, and then on artwork side, I've been quite lucky enough to get my hands on um, a beautiful page of uh, Ron Smith. From the Daily Dreads, I've got a piece from that. Ooh. Treated myself. And Very nice. A, a wonderful page by the legendary Cam Kennedy as well, which is Dread Overload. It's it's a fantastic piece. So I'll send you some pictures of those if I haven't already, so you can have a look. Fantastic. Oh, that's very nice. Picking up a Ron Smith Daily Dread uh, and a Cam Kennedy piece. Yeah. That's amazing work. Yeah. I was, I was, and I mean, they weren't ridiculously expensive either, you know. Um, they're, and they're just wonderful. I mean, I love original art anyway. Um, there's something about an inked page that you just can't beat. You know, I find it, it's mesmerizing. And when you yeah. see something as well that that takes you back to your childhood as well, and and you know from legends like Ron Smith and, and Cam Kennedy, I mean the, the the technical sort of mastery is just it's awe inspiring. It really is. It, it is, isn't it? It's a wonder mm. to see this artwork in its uh, in its flesh, as it were. And we're going to be talking about some original artwork a bit later on. Um, Damien, it's an interesting choice. Tell us what you've picked for book club this time. So going slightly off on a tangent, what I've gone for this time is the Steve Dillon Memorial Charity Sketchbook from, I think it was 2016, was it, or 2017? It's about there, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Because it came out, obviously, after his sad death. Yeah. Um, I was looking for the indicia. Garth Ennis's introduction says September 2017, so that's possibly, that possibly dates it, I guess. Yeah. Okay, and it was for the uh, Hero Initiative charity. Yeah. Um, it was compiled, it says, by Mike Mulcher, Tim Pilcher and John Hendrick. And it's filled with, well, we're going to talk about it, wonderful uh, art from various friends and admirers. So why this, why this sort of rather slim volume for the book club, Damien? I mean, I love Steve Dillon's work. I always have done. I mean, I always thought that his... Dread was one of the greatest interpretations of Dread that, of my generation, certainly. Um, and I loved his work on, you know, Warrior, which he did with the Axel Press button, things like that. And I've just always been drawn to his work. And obviously that cult culminated in Preacher, you know, where the full 66 run where he took us through that amazing story by Garth Ennis again. So 
it was a, it really did upset me when we lost him and he was one of the the people that I always wanted to meet and I always thought I would get to meet at some point and then I didn't take my chances when I did I, I get the opportunity and then it was too late you know he was he was gone too soon and very tragically so I was genuinely I don't normally get very um emotional about people I don't know um passing away but when Steve went it really did upset me because, you know, he'd, he'd, he'd kind of been one of those touchstones through my childhood. And yeah. when this came out, obviously, with it being for the uh, the Hero Initiative sort of uh, charity as well, which is a great charity for, for you know, ex-pros who, who, shall we say, not everybody turns into Todd McFarlane and makes millions, do they? Yes, and, you know, they sure. fall on hard times. And I just thought it's a wonderful... Um, it was a, a wonderful tribute to the man because, obviously, everybody you spoke to that knew him just said how lovely and warm and welcoming and helpful he was. And it was doing a good thing as well. So, yeah, and it's full of some fantastic art as well, which, you know, it's a bonus, really. Which we'll get to in just a moment. But, of course, you've given us the opportunity to do a bit of a, almost like Tony Esmond on his Never Iron Anything podcast, um, a bit of a deep dive into Steve Dillon. Yeah. So... 1962 to 2016 I guess that makes him 54 or he was coming up for 54 when he died yeah which is tragically young it seems yeah um born in Luton now for some reason I always thought of him as Irish so did I but there you go I still do I know um and of course famously got his first professional comics work from Des Skin in Hulk Weekly in 1978, when he was just about 16, I think, yeah. turning 17. Yeah. Have you have you seen any of his early work? I have. I've seen. I used to have Hulk Weekly when I was a kid, um, oh, so right. I would have seen it then. And, and obviously, moving around, you have to slim your comic book collection down, don't you? Um, but I've gone back and had a look at some, and I know, um, you know, I think you sent me a, a, a few. We pages were swapping across. some images, weren't we? And yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, I never knew he was 16, you know, because he'd always just been around and I never kind of equated his age to anything. You know, I never never thought of him as being, you know, not that much older than, than myself in reality. And it was only when um, I was talking to John McRae at, at a convention about, you know, Steve Dillon after he'd gone and we were having a good chat about him and stuff. And he was telling me and he was just saying, you know, he was 16 when he was doing that. And I was like, you're joking, aren't you? And it's unbelievable when you look at it now. He's, he's, it's not quite the finished Steve Dillon that we get, but no, it, it looks like somebody doing a really good impersonation of Steve Dillon, if you know what I mean. But he's yeah. sixteen, Eamon. I, mean, do you I know. know. I mean? It's just outrageously good. It was, and it wasn't just his ability to to draw. It's the panel compositions. It's the, you know, it's it's the layout, the dynamic movement that he's getting, the storytelling. It's all there, and I don't know how much he just naturally did that or how much he was coached, but, you know, from what you hear from people, he was just like one of the quickest pencilers in the in the game, wasn't he? You know, he'd start top left yeah. and work his way down and have a page done. I mean, but it's phenomenal stuff, phenomenal. I was reading on Des Skin's blog some of the history um, of Hulk Weekly, and... Uh, I, I mean, obviously, it's written by Des Skin, so this is his version of it. But he said Steve Dillon was sort of like unsure whether to give up going to college, and Des Skin encouraged him to stay on at college, but keep doing the comic strips, and said, "You know, you'll always have a, you'll always have work from me while I'm the editor." Mm. Um, and I think you know it wasn't long before he was on full professional industry page rates according to dead skin because as you say he was just so fast and he got so, he got so good so quickly yeah um and as we know then then there's this character absalom i always call him absalom but he's absalom dark dalek killer for doctor who magazine which was a dead another dead yeah. skin publication and then of course as you've already mentioned 2000 ad and warrior yeah um and he was just you know so quickly just became like one of the industry greats didn't he yeah and i mean i i, I love warrior i mean i've spoken about warrior magazine and i loved it when you covered it recently on on tony's podcast um so much so i'm filling the gaps in that collection now which is you know not as cheap <laughs> as it used to be i tell you but no, um, tell you, yes. 
Yeah, but I'm determined to get there. I've only got, I think, two to go. But, um, yeah, I mean, I loved Warrior anyway, and there's some beautiful artwork in there. If anybody wants to look at a masterclass of black and white sequential art, then that era of 2000 AD and Warrior is, is it. And Steve Dillon is just, he's absolutely phenomenal. And I mean, I loved Axel Pressbutton, and I've said this before that if I if I could get a dream gig doing anything, bringing any character back, it would be it would be Axel Pressbutton. Um, I, I love everything about that strip. You know, its absurdity and its its humour and its crassness sometimes as well. Yeah. But again, Steve Dillon was just one of those people that he had a very unique style, and he still does have a very unique style. And it's 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 interesting because I find he's one of those artists that he's a bit like a, a Carlos Esquera and uh, less so to Brian Bolland, but more of a Mick McMahon, where people don't copy him as much. They don't copy his style because it's too obvious because it is unique. Yeah. Now you know you get people who do very good in. In interpretations of Bolland type work, you know the very clear line and stuff, and they do it really well. But I don't see people really ever taking on Steve Dillon or anyone like that, like Carlos, because it would be too obvious. And I think, you know, you're never going to be that good. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's trying to copy that style. So, yeah, I find him a fascinating character, and I love, I love his work. And like I said before, you know, his ability to not just draw. Um, you know, expressions of characters because he was very big when you read. I mean, Preach is a perfect example of this, where the majority of, of his work in Preach that stands out is the expressive stuff, where you know you've got kind of Cassidy or Tulip talking to Jesse, and it, it's all there. Just in a lot of it is is very much you know just facial close-ups, but he could do backgrounds. He could do you know. I mean, his I think his Mega City um, rendering was one of the best. You know, it was one of the most realistic I felt interpretations of what mega city one would look like and you know it was, he just could do it all the guy was just yeah. an absolute beast when it came to anything art wise and i'll just mention a couple more stops on the sort of whistle stop tour through his career uh deadline with brett ewins in 1988 yeah uh i think he I think he starts working with Garth Ennis on Hellblazer for DC, possibly. I believe so, yeah. I think there was a famous quote by Garth saying he was basically, you know, quote, should we, can I say he was in the shit and, and Steve Dillon came along and basically saved him by, you know, working, collaborating with him and, and the two of them just clicked. And it's, yeah. he thinks it saved his run, you know. Absolutely. And then I think they go on to do, I don't know which order this is, but Punisher Max... And then, of course, famously, they create Preacher that runs from 1995 to 2000 and is still one of the sort of industry great books, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's my, I've got to say, if I've, and I've said this before as well, that if I could pick a, you know, a Desert Island series, it would be Preacher. Um, right. I just love it. And and it's not just about the storytelling, it's about the the, the context of when I read it and stuff. You know, it takes me right back to... to that period of my life and i just th- i just think it's a tremendous body of work you know 66 issues not counting the, the sort of spin-off things they did but what a tremendous like achievement that was for all parties you know from glenn garth and steve it was just unbelievable and it is a tremendous story as well it's a, it's a brilliantly written piece of work fantastic so i mean before we get back to his work on 2000 ad would that be your favourite Steve Dillon work as a whole, Preacher, or is it difficult to te- to choose? I think it would be. Um, I mean, you know, as I've said, I loved I loved his Axel Press button stuff. I love his Dread stuff. But again, because they've been done by other people as well, and and also you know particularly Dread. But I just think for a, an achievement of body of work and consistency, it's got to be Preacher for me. I just think you know he's he's. He just got into this flow with the characters, and obviously he was instrumental in creating the characters as well. You know, he wasn't just handed a, a template to, to run with. And you can tell, I think, you know, when you read it and you read about him, you, you can see him coming through those characters a lot of the time. And it's humour as well, you know, it was, as Garth Ennis has said, you know, a lot of the stuff in there was, was Steve's little additions that he used to put in. So I would I would personally say I think Preacher is potentially his his greatest achievement in art you know it's not very often and i don't think we'll see it anymore where somebody gets a 66 issue run on a title 
um, especially one that's quite as controversial as, as Preacher was in its day, because you know it was quite in America particularly it was quite a conservative time, wasn't it back then? In, in, oh, you know, very Preacher, yes. You know, so how they got some of that stuff through, I I really don't know. But um, yeah, I definitely think Preacher was his, his his kind of you know his his legacy, as it were. So his legacy piece is Preacher. Let's turn back uh, to 2000 AD because obviously you know. Um, we both start with 2018 away, um, although you mentioned the Marvel UK stuff. Um, how does, if we just think about his dread for 2000 AD, how does that stand up against some of the other greats from the black and white period? He's always in my top three, and my top three switch places um, depending right. how I'm feeling. So the top three are always Boland, um, Dylan, and Esquera. And then just under top three, and sometimes nipping into top three is is um, Mick McMahon, who I love as well. And they all brought something different to Dread, which is why I love them. You know, they 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 don't look like each other in any way, shape, or form. Um, but I, I do definitely. I mean, and it is difficult. But sometimes I'll have Dylan as as you know two or three i've got to confess boland's always number one for me when it comes to dread and it always will be and it's just one of those things but dylan and a square trade places two and three quite a lot and i think it was because he kind of dylan as well he he was almost like a mix of the two because he had that realistic kind of weight to his his work and his characters that Bolland had particularly in his lovely clean lines and his, his brilliant use of, of black and white. When you look at the negative space that he uses, it's tremendous work. But he also had that little bit of um, stylization that Carlos has that I love. And and so I always found him as a little bit of a mix between the two. And, and that's probably why I loved him, his work as much as I did. But he's definitely in that top three. And I'd, I'd fight anyone that he's said otherwise. He's in the top three, isn't he? <laughs> He should be, but you know, I mean, it's all subjective, and it's be, just yes. my opinion. But for me, yes, definitely. Well, I mean, I, I couldn't disagree with him in the top three dread artists of all time, and his, as you say, his work on the city as well as on the look of dread mm. and the judges. And we'll just mention some of these sort of like his great strips. Of course, he did some work on the the Block Mania story, that famous story alone in a crowd. Cry yeah. of the Werewolf, I think we're going to be talking about a bit more. Yeah. Hunter's Club, Emerald Isle, City of the Damned. Some great stuff in there, really. Yeah. Some great dread moments and stories. Yeah, and he didn't really do that much dread when you look at it. You know, he didn't... He wasn't like one of these kind of... He feels like he was a regular, but when you look at the amount he did, I don't think he ranks up there as one of those really kind of regular dread artists. But because he kept appearing through my childhood at different points... I always thought he was a regular on the book more than he was. And yeah. I think when he did do Dread, he always did something rather special. So, you know, you look at, you know, I know we're going to talk about Cry the Werewolf, but, you you know, you look at characters such as Trapper Hag, which I think is a brilliant character in its own, you know, and I, I just yeah. loved that, that sort of very, I don't know, it caught the feeling of the time, you know, it was very much that kind of bounty hunter kind of era when we, you know... We'd had like Empire Strikes Back and there's things like Fall Guy on the TV and it just tapped into all that kind of, you know, somebody coming after people and dreads out to stop them and just things like that. And he, he just always seemed to do really interesting stuff when he did it. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I just think um, he's, when he was in 2008 and he was doing Dread, it was a real treat, you know. And I mean, some of the covers he did as well are just iconic, aren't they? You know, I mean, they're absolutely tremendous um you they're know, all gorgeous yeah, yeah. particularly the cry of the werewolf where he did several i think and you know that i'm, I'm oh, i know they're just wonderful i mean you, yes i am the law yeah <laughs> yeah it's and it's just such a, an iconic image isn't it it's like you know it's just it so is. so good but yeah I, I i loved him as a as a dread artist yeah you won't have heard this yet because i've only just recorded it but it will be the podcast coming out two weeks before this one uh, I've done Mean Arena with Peter Duncan. Ah, and yeah. Interestingly, you know, my memories of Mean Arena were all Steve Dillon, yeah. but actually he didn't do a great deal of it. But there's something about, because, you know, again, he did a cover for that mm. and his look for the characters, particularly the way he would have male characters with their slightly broken nose look. 
um, for these sort of street football players was always just so definitive to me, even though he didn't do the majority of the art for that. Yeah, yeah. And again, I think that's testament to his art style that he, when he did it, you remembered it and you yes. false remember it as well because you you then think he did more of it than he actually did. It's just because you probably remember more of his work that he did do than you do with other artists, you know. Um, but yeah, it, it was just... He was just one of those people that I think could probably turn his hand to drawing anything. I mean, even when he went on to um, doing the, the Punisher Max stuff, you know, which I was never a big Punisher fan, to be honest. But, you know, you look at that and even that's tremendous work. It's just, again, he brought that reality to, to that world where you started to actually believe, you know, that, that Frank was as bad as, as you, you know, you were led to believe. And yeah, he just he could just do it. He was just sickeningly talented, really. And we've mentioned City of the Damned, which will come up on the podcast eventually because somebody has picked it. Um, and, of course, that has that famous story of the lost <laughs> yeah. issues worth of artwork, um, which probably was left in a pub, I gather. I believe so. I believe um, it was the start of a Steve, pub crawl. Yes. And then they realised they didn't have the pages he was supposed to hand in that day. <laughs> and he had to do the whole five pages again over the weekend and did it. Yeah. And then, of course, at a later day, I think the pub, I think somebody from the pub rang him up and said, we've got your folder here. Yeah. And then I think they, they actually published in a later issue, in later prog, they published the original artwork for comparison. And it was amazing, you know, that he'd been able to, as you say, he was quick as well. Yeah. That he could do those five pages over a weekend for a, um, when there was a, a, you know, a bit of a sweat on. And probably hung over as well. Um, probably, you know, yes. If, if legend is to be believed, you know, not only was he writing against the clock, he was, you know, drawn against the clock, he was doing it with a stinking hangover. Um, Probably, and I think it was yeah. issue 610 they published both sets of pages, didn't they? And I was trying to look for it before, but I've had a bit of a busy day, so I've not had a chance to dig through me, me old progs to find the comparison, but it be interesting to... Hang on just a moment. So I've just grabbed it off the shelf. Oh, right, You're brilliant. You're quite right. Yeah, spot on, 610. There you are. And they published both sets of pages in there. Uh, yeah, amazing stuff. Comparison. How different are they? Well... Very little, actually. You know, some slight mm. changes in layout and where characters are standing in the frames. But uh, it's amazing. They're both brilliant, actually. You'd take either of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it doesn't look like the second one was rushed at all. It looks like it's, uh, you know, it was the real deal. Yeah. And again, uh, you know, stuff. The, the guy was, he, yeah, he could just do it, couldn't he? You know, it just could just do it on demand almost. I mean, there was a famous... Um, yeah. I can't remember what the, the the comic he was working on, but they had to get someone else to try and ink it because of time, because he was so busy at the time that he ended up not inking all of his own stuff. And I think you can tell that in 2000 AD a little bit later on, where they still wanted him to work for them, but be, because he was becoming more in demand, you know, he could he could do the pencils but not the inks, and that's why I think some of the inks tend to be a bit off, a bit heavy sometimes. Um, but he was he was sketching out these pages and apparently the inker couldn't keep up with him so he was actually drawing them quicker from blank than the inker could ink which was how quick he was and you know yeah. and uh, apparently the inker was like i can't keep doing this he needs to slow down <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's tremendous isn't it it's like you know do you have a definitive dread tale for steve dillon that your favorite would be it would be um cry the werewolf because it, I had a feeling it might. Yeah, and it is difficult because I've I've been mulling this over and I've been looking at that and I've been looking at the, like I say the Trapper Hog um, story I love as well, and I, I love um, for all the the panning it gets and, and unfortunately the fact it was cut short. But you know I do think City of the Damned is is a is a great concept and there's some great sequences in there. I mean I I still love the fact that Dread you know loses his eyes um spoiler yeah. if, if you're not read it then you know you should have done um but and it's just again it had so many bits in there i liked but it does get kind of wrapped up a bit too quick you know it's a bit bobby in the shower at the end yes. um but in the end i've got to go back to i was thinking about what's the one story from 2000 ad that regardless of the artist that i still today think about and go, God, I can even remember reading that and being excited. And it, it was the cry of the werewolf. It was because it's a really, really great horror story as well. And it's beautifully drawn. 
you know, it's just it, the first couple of pages in it are classic horror, classic Hammer horror kind of werewolf story that he draws, and they're gorgeous, you know, and it's it's just beautifully done. It really is. So yeah, that'll be my favourite. I think and it's funny as well. You know, it's got a bit of humour in there, which is it always is. good. Yes. And it's just got definitive-looking dread in it. Plus, there's werewolves. Yeah. I mean, you can't go wrong, can you? Well, I know. Yeah. I mean, what more do you want? You know. I mean, one of the the pages that I'll I'll, I'll come to later on is it epitomises that really because it's like you know if you're gonna and I know some people don't like it because they don't like the idea of um, you know dread going slightly into the more you know fantastic as it were with werewolves. Yeah. yeah. But I always find that. I mean, at the end of the day, you know. It, it's a comic and you know you really shouldn't shackle yourselves with creativity and if the story's good and you can tell it then you should tell it you know it's we, maybe we weren't quite as uh concerned with things being more realistic and believable and canon focused than they are now but yeah i really enjoyed it i thought it was a great little standalone story and um that'd, that'd be it for me i think yeah uh, yeah, I would agree. Cry of the Werewolf is just like definitive Dylan on Dread. Um, yeah, we'll come back to that in a moment. Let's turn back to this slim memorial charity sketchbook then. We've mentioned it okay. does have an introduction by Garth Ennis, which is quite lovely, actually. And as you say, it yeah. does start with that line, doesn't it? I'd have been sunk without Steve <laughs> yeah. and how he was uh, how he was floundering a little bit on Hellblazer until Steve arrived to actually tighten things up. But then they, you know, the partnership they form just goes on to be great. Mm. And then inside we've got lovely, mostly black and white artwork. There's a couple of colour pieces right on on the covers, basically, on the inside back cover, isn't there? Yeah. Um, so tell us, who would you pick out from the uh, the guest artists, as it were? Okay. So, I mean, I think they're all pretty lovely, actually. Um, and when I got this, I was really chuffed because I was, you know, you kind of wonder what is it just going to be lots of people trying to draw like Steve Dillon, you know? And it wasn't, and it was great that it was. I loved the interpretations. The first one that stands out is um, is actually the the laser eraser and axle press button by John McRae because uh, big fan of John McRae. I think John's another yeah. one of those those artists that is, is unique in his style. And I just I just love what John does and how he does it. And obviously I've spoken about my love of Axel Press button and laser razor. So this for me was like, this is brilliant. You know, this is this is exactly what I wanted in a if you're gonna do a memorial to, to Steve Dillon. I love that. Um the next page And it's there on what? Is it there on page three or page no, five, th- I guess? Uh yeah. It's I suppose it's page five, but um I don't know, it's not numbered, is it? But it's not numbered, and it says in memory of Mr. Steve Dillon. Yeah, and let's let's just mention: uh, Am I right in thinking that you own this page, Damien? I do, I do actually. Yeah, <laughs> um, I I badgered John because John McRae was doing little um, teasers when he was drawing it, and of course, I immediately knew what it was. And I immediately like started badgering him, messaging him, going, John, what are you doing with that? You, you know, and I thought maybe it was going to be sold as part of the charity or whatever, but um, John was just going to have it in his portfolio because I don't think he really thought anybody would want it. And I managed to buy it from him at uh, ICE in 20... I think it would be 2018 or 2017. Maybe in 2017, actually. Um, and yeah, and so I proudly have that in my very slim, I have to say, portfolio of original art. But there's quite a lot of John McRae in there, and there's quite quite right. a few bits of Steve Dillon in there as well. I have to confess, but um, yeah, I have that page, and it's it's be- it's even more beautiful than the reproduction, you know, because again, you know, you get the the differentials in the inks because it's it's the it's the genuine ink, so it's not been flattened by by the reproduction, and it just gives it it gives it an extra layer of of texture and and dimension that I, I just love, absolutely love. It is fantastic. So, yes, you're very lucky to have that. I know. Um, we, I mean, I suppose it's obvious we should say they are they are sketches mostly of characters associated with, with Steve, you know, characters he worked on or characters he created. Um, who else did yeah. you want to pick out for us? Um, I did like PJ Holden's Trapper Hug on the next page. Um, yeah, again, I love that as well. 
brilliant character. I think Steve came up with the character for that, didn't he? I think he, he actually came up with the, the concept. Did he? Oh, right. Um, I could be wrong. Somebody will probably tell us if I am. Um, again, Mike Collins on his laser eraser and press button again. I'm a sucker for a laser eraser and press button, but a beautiful image that Mike it Collins. Is. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely stunning. Um, then there's another laser eraser, which I love, which is uh, a little bit later on in the book. by it's Chris Weston, oh, is it? Yeah, and I mean, that is it's breathtaking. You know, I think Chris Weston's one of one of the more contemporary greats, in my opinion. I think he's just, the guy's just fantastic, you know. Um, and he does capture a bit of that Dylan about him. You know, he's got that, that element there, that, that clean line, and I just think he's, he's wonderful. So that's another one I'd pick. And there's, there, in fact, all of them, really, but there's a great arse face by John Higgins. Beautiful piece of yes. work. You know, I love that. Um, I like the Declan Shavely's um, hair star on the next page. Yep. There's just, I mean, to be honest, I don't think there's really a, an image in here that you can't go, Is it doesn't sum up, you know, the, the kind of character that uh, Steve brought to these creations. Um, you know, and there's, there's that tremendous Clint Langley City of the Damned near the back as well. Yes, uh, that's where fantastic. Kind of recreates. The mutant and Steve Dillon block, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's. I think everyone, I mean, obviously you'd be, if you were asked to contribute to something like this, you'd be absolutely like just gobsmacked wouldn't you and, and you know yes. and everyone i mean there's not one here that you think somebody's phoned it in do you know what i mean there's none of that no. it's it's all wonderful i mean one of the ones that have you because they've, they've also got like three loose leaf prints haven't they that that came with it oh right i don't um, think i've got those oh right well the, the one i got it's got like three extra loose leaf prints um oh yeah and uh i'm just trying to Sorry, it's just dropped out. So one's uh, Jeff Lemire, for example. Right. Uh, Sean Phillips and Russ Brown. Braun. Ah, right. Now that explains a puzzle for me. Right. Because I did look for some pages of this on the comic art fans and I saw the Sean Phillips image and I was thinking, that's not in my copy. Yeah. uh, Because uh, well-known art collector Dale Jackson owns that page. Yeah. It's a constant scene. Yes. Yeah. So uh, that but, um, it. Yeah. So it's it's just a this everything in there is is wonderful. You know, it really right. is. It's a, it's a real delight of black and white. There's only one thing that I I don't like about the book, and it's going to sound really bad now. I don't like the cover, and right. I love the painting, and I do love the painting, and it you know I mean it's it's obviously uh, Bill Sankovich. So what's not to like about his work it's just the image because it's it's the it's the older you know more kind of unwell steve dylan well steve isn't it yes and i know when i've spoken to john mccray and he said you know when people put up tributes to to john that they always use those later pictures and that's not how he remembers him he remembers him you know as a bigger guy more full of fun and and healthier and i do and if i i try and put something out on, on the anniversary of his birthday and his death and stuff. And I always try and use the pictures from earlier on, you know, when he was he was a bit more well. And it's a beautiful painting, don't get me wrong, but I just always think it would have been even more beautiful if it was maybe him in, in his earlier days, you know, when he was a bit more healthy. But that's the only thing. But the rest of it is just, it's a tremendous book and for a good cause as well, as we've said, you know. And there's Jill Thompson in the middle pages has done a portrait of Steve in his more healthier, youthful days. Yeah. Painted, and painted in Guinness, it says. Yeah, yeah. Astonishingly. Mm. And I bet, again, if you looked at that not reproduced in black and white, I bet it's gorgeous because it would yeah. be, you know, those kind of brown, dark brown tones. And you can tell because this has reproduced a lot of the, the sort of differentials in the tones. And I can only imagine it would be like a beautiful muddy watercolour, you know what I mean? It would be that yeah. gorgeous kind of brown. So I'll have to try and see if there's a colour version of it somewhere. be really interested to see it. Yeah, and I wonder what happened to my floppy um, uh, extra prints. They're obviously, I missed out. I've upset that. you now, haven't I? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Not to worry. <laughs> so you've got one grail page from this book. Yeah. Uh, let's let you pick another one. 
Um, if you were picking a Grail image just from the Steve Dillon sketchbook, including the three extra uh, prints that you've got, which one would you pick? I'm just checking what page. I think it's going to be page nine, and it's the Glenn Fabry, um, Jesse Custer um, oh, yes, sketch. Oh, yes, I remember, yes. And again, I love this because I don't know whether it's just me, but I can see a bit of Steve Dillon in the portrait of Jesse Custer. There's just something about it that from pictures I've seen of, of Steve when he was younger, that it, it seems to be, you know, very much based on him, but it still keeps that look of, you can tell it's Jesse Custer. Um, and he's surrounded by pints of Guinness, obviously, you know, yeah. leading off the page. And I just think, you know, obviously, cause you know, Glenn and Steve and, and Garth and, and John McRae, they're all very close together um, and very friendly. And you can tell there's a real affection to this. And I just love it. I just think it's a really nice fitting tribute. Um, and obviously the inscription is Steve C. Wing comic strip Valhalla. And I just think there's something about that that is quite beautiful, really. And as you're saying, it's signed Glenn Fabry 2017. It's just gorgeous, isn't mm. it? So I will I will post an image of that when this comes out. Um, so that's your Grail page. Plus you've already got the John McRae page, which is fantastic. Um I'm tempted by some of the Axel press buttons like yourself. Yeah. As soon as you've already got one, I might actually, I might just call Mike Collins mm. on that one. It's very close between him and Chris Weston, but, you know, like yourself, I love a bit of Axel press button and laser eraser, so they're, they're great. And it's got a lovely use of uh, Lettertone at the back there as well. It's, it does, hasn't it? Yes. Which, again, <laughs> I love, you know, because it's a, it's a lost art. The old cutting out the letter tone, <laughs> and it's quite it's quite interesting as you say that the you know the people they were asked quite often it's not like they've just done a quick sketch. No, I mean the John Higgins page, so much detail in the background of Arseface's room that he's sitting in. Yeah, um, you know that that took a while, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, and that you can tell that they're all done with genuine. I don't think anyone dialed it in, not not at all, and. No. I mean that John Higgins one, like you say, because you can tell it's obviously a pencil sketch as well. You know, he's not. It's not even like he's inked it just to be able to quickly sort of fill it in. Um, but yeah. there's some absolutely gorgeous pieces of work in here, and it's nice and it's fitting as well. You know, because I don't think Steve ever really did anything, or not in my opinion, anything substandard. You know, because we can all see great artists, and sometimes you can tell that there's a little bit of, you know slapdash gone on just to get a deadline but never got that sense of his work and i think that's nice in the book as well i think it comes across that that people genuinely wanted to be you know to make it something special okay it's great stuff um sadly it doesn't seem to be available anymore i couldn't even find secondhand copies on ebay at the moment um but the Hero Initiative, which you can find at heroinitiative.org, as you say, Damien, mm. a great charity that supports comic book creators who've fallen on hard times. There's no pension plan. Um, so no. if, you, if you have got a bob or two to spare in these lockdown times, to spare in memory of Steve Dillon, make a little... I'll put the link in the show notes and make a little donation to the Hero Initiative. Um, a very worthy charity. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and and again, like you say, you know, there's a lot of good people that, I mean, there's, there's the great myth that you make millions from comics and it's never been the case and it, it isn't the case now, you know. I mean, it's a, it's a very, very slim chance that, that you make enough that you can live on it, um, particularly after you're not working anymore. And there's a lot of people, particularly, I think, in the States as well, that, you know, because they don't even have the luxury of, of an NHS like we do and... It's a it's a great initiative for people, and if you can support it, then you should. And it's worth keeping an eye on it because they come up with some corking events and and offers and things, and you know where people put raffles on with original work by some of the absolute cream of the crop artists. So you know it's definitely worth following them and keeping your eye on what they do, and and you're helping out, which is not a bad thing, is it? Not at all. Fantastic. So there'll be there'll be a few links in the show notes, including that one. Um, Damien, I'm going to ask you about John McRae again in a moment. But before we do that, let's extend uh, the discussion of original art. If I could give you um, all of Steve Dillon's 2000 AD work, can you pick a, a, a grail page or two from that that you would like to own? 
Right. Well, it's th- this was difficult because, um, yes. you know, as we've, we've talked earlier, I mean, I've, I've limited myself to the Cry of the Werewolf because... I, I went through all the other stuff and I was I was umming and ahhing. I thought, no, I've got to I've got to get to a decision. So I, I thought, right, I'm going to just pick from the thing that ma- matters most to me. So uh, prog um, prog three two two, um, which has got a great cover. It was the start of the Cry of the Werewolf um, story, and it was part one. But it, the page I've gone for isn't the cover. Strangely enough, it would have been page four in the story and as i was saying before it was that classic kind of horror story setup so it doesn't have dread in it it has a couple alone at night and they're about to have a a, a kiss on a bridge and then they hear this this classic aru of a you know a werewolf and then they're surrounded by the werewolves and then they get attacked and what a page i mean it's it's five panels and it's just it's just brilliant. It's storytelling at its best. It's condensed storytelling that you know some people would have taken like three or four pages to get to, and Steve does it in in you know one page in five panels, and it's beautiful work. It really is beautiful work, and it's got you know his mastery, as I was saying before about his use of of black and white and his ability to use negative space, his ability to to you know render really good expressions and and facial sort of characterization it's all in here and a really good bloody big werewolf at the end as well what more do you want but i love that fantastic i do love it and you know i suppose it's a strange one because it doesn't have dread in it but i just love it and every time i read it and i look back at it and even look at it now i get excited looking at it it gets me it gets me on edge it's it's like you know it's just a it's just a great great page and i think it's a masterclass for people people like myself who try and learn how to do comics you know and as you say, it doesn't have tread on it, so we might even be able to afford it. Well, I know, yeah, I don't know where it's gone, but um, yeah. some someone no. somewhere will be lucky. And if so I, I can have the other page. one, thank you. Yes, go for it. All right. So my next one would be um, Prog Three Two Seven, and again another classic cover, um, Dylan cover, where you've got the the werewolf. Uh, he's got dread against the bars and that that brilliant i always remember this um from being a kid which is dread on the menu for the white werewolf and it looks like he's about to meet his end but again it's not the cover i want but it's the first what would have been the double page splash um for that um part six and this is like this to me sums up everything you want out of a story like this you've got dread on his lawmaster surrounded by werewolves and it's just there's lots of badam badams and budda budda buddhas and werewolves flying all over the place and dread with one arm up and his lawgiver firing there and it's just it's brilliant, it's absolutely brilliant and you know you've got dread saying clear the way wolf boys you're messing with a mega city judge and it it's just it's tremendous it's so exciting and it's just again a beautiful beautiful piece of work so I know I've cheated by having a splash page but it's just gorgeous. You know, it's a it's an iconic dread. It is absolutely. I'm looking at it now, and it is absolutely lovely. And there's not an inch on that page that doesn't, if you look at it, doesn't feel fill you with excitement to read that no. story. And uh, we probably can't afford that one, Damien. But you know, it becomes virtually yours. Yeah, and I mean, some um, other ones as well. Page. Some other ones I looked at where they're going into, you know, they go into kind of like um, the undercity and. You know, there's there's some scenes of of dread where he's like the one I nearly picked actually, which was from episode five where Dread's kind of riding through the undercity on his lawmaster, and you've got like the remnants of what would be New York in the background, as it were, and just absolutely stunning, stunning page. You know, again, and there was just so many to choose from, but I just went for the ones that I thought you know really resonated with me. But yeah, if you've never read this and Get it in the black and white versions if you can, because I know they've been colourised and, and, you know, all the rest of it, but the black and white is just absolutely breathtaking. The, the one I go to the most is the uh, the old kind of Titan um, edition. Yes. I think it was Judge Dread 9, actually. Yeah, it is, just looking at it, because that was about prog size as well. And it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, reproduction of it. Fantastic. And... You do have some uh, some Steve Dillon artwork in your collection, I think, Damien. I do, yeah. I, I've got um, the mainly sketches. So I've got 
um, three sketches and a, and a page of, of Dread artwork, um, which is very close to one I believe you've got as well. When we, we did a bit of a comparison, wasn't it? Well, as you know, as pull back the curtain a bit, we have been swapping pictures all week. And we've both owned a Steve Dillon page from the Alabama Blimps story. Yeah. Um, and it turns out they are, there's just one page between us in Prog. Is it Prog 538? It's, I think it says, doesn't it? I think so, yeah. It was, you've got page 20 and I've got page 18. Yeah. And if anybody out there has got page 19 <laughs> of uh, Prog 538, uh, get in touch with us because we'll set up an art gallery somewhere. That'd be tremendous, with the wouldn't three it? Pages, yeah. Uh, how weird no, that we that... both ended up. I've, it's the only piece of Dylan art I've got, and mm. yeah, it is just literally one page away from the one you own. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? You know, as Captain Beefheart said, it's a small world, but I wouldn't want to underpaint it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. Let's just quickly then talk about one of your other favourite artists, a modern master, John McRae, because, again, while we were comparing notes, we both figured out that we'd got IDW one-shot Judge Dread Deviations, or Deviations Judge Dread, maybe, by John McRae with colours by Mike Spicer. Tell us about uh, what John McRae does in this Again, this sort of floppy issue. So this was, um, I think John was actually creating this while Steve was still alive, if I remember rightly. Right. And I think, again, Cry the Werewolf was one of John's favourite Steve Dillon stories. And for those of you that haven't read Cry the Werewolf, basically Dread gets bitten by a werewolf and starts to turn into a werewolf. Hence the classic cover of, you know, I am the la with the, with the hand bursting yep. through the glove. Um, and... Then obviously um, through the, the the story they manage to save Dread from becoming a full werewolf. Well, he becomes a full werewolf, but then they manage to kind of get him back, and he becomes Dread again. But in Steve, in in John McRae's version, it's kind of like, well, what happened if the doctor that comes up with the the research work that cures Dread is killed earlier on, and there's a fire that destroys all his files. So actually. If you're bitten by a werewolf and you turn, they don't know how to turn you back. And that's the kind of premise is, you know, that's where it deviates from, from the bit where they save Dread and return Dread to Dread or where he becomes Dreadwolf. And then it goes on a brilliant kind of tangent from there. And I think it's a really great story. I think it's, I read it again, obviously, for this. And I think it's, it's a tremendously written story by John and, and it's full of humour and it captures a lot of the excitement of the original um, Cry of the Wolf, and I actually think it's some of John's best work as well. You know, I, I just think it, and again, part of it I think is because he had that love of, of Steve and Steve's work that you can tell that comes through. And I've said this before that as someone who, who you know, I wouldn't call myself an artist, but I do art, um, you can always tell when another artist really enjoyed doing something. It just comes out at you, you can just feel it in the work, and I get that from, from this deviations. So that's that's the point where we start with um with with this story and they you know they try and use dread because dread being dread gets control of dreadwolf so rather than just being a rampant werewolf he's a werewolf but he's kind of got dread self control so he can you know um, still uphold the law albeit without a helmet because you know his head's a bit big <laughs> <laughs> his head's now a wolf yeah and then they, they then realise, and this is where it gets really interesting, because then it turns into this animal rights story where people protest about Dread because he's, he's part human, part animal, being, you know, kept by humans to, to do their bidding. So there's a whole thing about free free the Dreadwolf, free the Dreadwolf. And it it's really amusing, actually, that, that they kind of flip it so that you know people instead of being afraid of the dread wolf they actually they want the dread wolf to be free so they release him back into the the kind of he takes the long walk as it were or the long kind of crawl i suppose it would be in the uh, <laughs> in the underground again um and and he goes back into to serve the law under there and then he meets up with um is it judge i always get his name i've never sure how to pronounce it judge praga or prager 
I always say Prager, but uh, yeah. Who originally... Prager or Prager, yeah. yeah. Who originally captures Dredd, I think, in the original story, isn't it? And, and brings yes. him back. And they both kind of, um, you know, between them, they, they form a man and, you know, a judge and wolf team, <laughs> which is great fun. And yep. they uphold the law and they chase down, you know, the other werewolves. And it's it's just it's just really, really good fun. Until the end where, because of an injury... Um, Dread turns Prager because he wants him to, and they they become two uh, law-abiding judge werewolves who rule the underground, as it were. And it's just yep. it's silly, but it's brilliantly done, and it just takes you back to that time of of fun and you know anything goes. And but it's not done in a, in a kind of stupid way. It's, it's it is actually a genuinely good read and, and good fun. And you know, hats off to John because I think he did a, a absolutely sterling job on it. It's not easy following up a classic, is it? As he says himself in the opening. Uh... No, exactly. <laughs> it's just it's just glorious, isn't it? It's yeah. a great um, fun one shot. Um, I gather I had to look this up. Deviations was an IDW project where they gave comic book creators sort of franchises that they had the license to and asked them to produce some sort of. I guess it's a bit like a what if story for IDW, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. And they did them, um, they've done them with things like Ghostbusters and stuff like that, where they've... Yes, you know. so I gather, yeah. And this is the Dread one, because they, you know, they had a Dread license. I think they still got the uh, Dread license. And uh, it's just fantastic stuff. Yeah. Um, and at the back of the book, you get some process work from John. Beautiful. Um, beautiful stuff. You see some of the pages, some of the sketches. And then you also get three pages by oh no more than three actually you get jock uh brendan mccarthy gary leach uh who's that one eric Canet, i don't know that name and then duncan fregredo yeah and yeah. they are they are they are almost worth the price of admission as well aren't they i know the jock was a um a variant cover wasn't it for this because um, yes, I've got, I think that's right. Yeah, I've got that on the standard cover as well. Because I just, right. I was so excited when this came out. Because um, again, I just thought, well, firstly, it's, it's you know a, a deviation on one of my favourite stories, and secondly, you know, it's John McRae. So it's like you're going to win somewhere along the line, aren't you? So yeah. <laughs> you know, and it, it was a brilliant, brilliant story. And I've got a feeling that Duncan Fregredo's image was done as an art print, possibly also for the Hero Initiative, I think. Right. Um, I think, because that's wonderful as well. And let's just get straight to it, Damien. You've got a page of this as well. I have, yeah. He's an unscrupulous <laughs> man, that John McRae. You know, whenever I see him at a con, um, he, he takes sells me you money. Something. He, ta- he takes <laughs> me money off me. So, um, but, you know, again, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have a, a page of this because. I think it was in Manchester, I saw him, and he'd only just... I think it was due to come out, or it had just come out, and he had some pages left, and, and I got one in there. And it's page 26 in the in the comic, um, and it's the one where Prager actually gets shot, and, you know, and Dread kind of... The Dreadwolf saves him, and it's just a... It's a it's a lovely, lovely piece of work, and it's nice coloured. I can say that, you know, the colouring in the, in the book is brilliant, but... The black and white, I mean, I wish they'd release this as a black and white version because the black and white work, um, I think I sent you a scan of it, is yeah, absolutely gorgeous, you know. Yeah. And the the werewolf down at the um, the bottom right on the, the fourth panel is a flip-up werewolf because he didn't like the original one he, he drew, John, so he drew another one and stuck it on top. So oh. <laughs> it's an interactive page, kids. Fantastic. <laughs> but it's it's beautiful. It, again, it's just a beautiful piece of work. So get in touch, get to know John McRae because you might get the uh, the scoop on some of his original work. And if you want a copy of Deviations, uh, you can get it. It's uh, it's still on Comixology for a mere £1.60. And I guess I'm hoping that some of that money does get to John and to uh, Mike Spicer and the other creators. So um, if you want to see what we've been talking about here, go and get a copy of that because it's just fantastic. It's so much fun. Yeah, it is. It's really good fun, isn't it? It really is. So, Damien, um, two slim books, but we managed to do nearly an hour on them. So that's good stuff. Um, Guest projects time. What's happening with Art 9-2? Well, like everyone, it's been a tough year. Um, yeah. you know, I mean, the, the lack of cons has been not, I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, we never, we never really make 
money at cons, but it's the it's the social and the networking bit that you miss from just seeing people. But we've been busy, we've been trying to keep busy, so we've produced this year, we've come out with issues one and two of Galaxy Grappling Alliance, which is our sci-fi wrestling comic. Um, I've got them here on the desk. Oh, yeah. thank you. Well, I don't know. You haven't said you liked them yet, so you might need to edit no, no, that out. the great stuff. <laughs> yes. If well, you want some science fiction wrestling, <laughs> these are the comics for you. So that's that's in hand. Um, H early this year did a book called My Little Green Bike, which was a sort of semi-autobiographical um, book about her and growing up and how she had this little green bike, uh, strangely enough, and some of the stories connected to it. And it was quite a, it was quite an emotional piece. It wasn't a very thick book. It's only quite thin, but, you know, it was a, it was a very kind of um, introspective piece she did. So that was nice. That was something different. It was all ages, so, you know, we put that out. And then during the lockdown, um, because she we, we've got a YouTube channel where H puts a lot of her kind of how-to drawing lessons on there so she teaches people how to draw animals in in starting with very simple shapes and building them up and she was getting contacted by people saying you know do you, do you have a book of these things because they were using it for homeschooling for kids art classes and stuff so again we did a very slim volume of that where you can learn to draw cats and dogs so we've been trying to mix up a little bit of art 92's output um so we've got, really got something for everyone you know that's that's what we're trying to do and as far as the next topics that we're looking at, um, H is working away. She's doing loads of pet portraits, as we were speaking about before, because that's one of the things that she was trained to do was portraiture. We're working on GGA issue three, which will be out sometime next next year in the first quarter, hopefully, called Galactic Rumble. And Pre-Mortis issue two, the follow-up to our debut horror book. So, yeah, we've been been as busy as we can be, given all things considered. Um, you just got to keep your head down and keep going, haven't you? You have. And yes, I've got Pre-Mortis 1 and I'm looking forward to Pre-Mortis 2. Um, yeah, that's great. I, I love a creepy horror comic. I've got that here as well. Yeah, we've struggled. Um, I'll be honest. So, yeah, great we've, stuff. We've struggled with Pre-Mortis 2 because I've kind of got my side of the book laid out, but H has kind of been struggling to come up with anything that's more horrific than what's going on because she's kind of saying like you know i could write it down but be like well that's monday and that's tuesday you know what <laughs> I mean? so but we've got a few ideas noodling away so um we were hoping to get it out by the end of this year but we're probably going to knock it back again to first quarter next year and stuff but we're still working on it so if you have got issue one issue two is coming i promise you um but you know hopefully at some point later in next year we'll be able to uh to see people and talk about it in the flesh. So Art92 is all words rather than numbers spelt out, and you www.art92.com, you'll find all your works. And I'll also mention, Damien, because <laughs> you've done that thing during lockdown, if we go to art92.podbean.com, <laughs> we'll find your podcast now. Yeah, yeah, I'm one of those now. You know, everybody's got a <laughs> podcast, don't they? And we that, all got a podcast. That, that includes yeah. me. It's and just just a warning to everyone. It's not as professional as this one, so set your expectations. But yeah, we we started doing the Art Nine Two podcast just because um, a I was lonely. I needed to talk to someone other than H and now the dog, and B I just wanted to do something a little bit different. So there's no point trying to do a podcast about something like 2000 AD because there's people like yourselves and Space Spinner 2000 people like that do it much, much better than ever I, I, I ever could. There's no point doing something that's purely just comics-focused because you've got things like Awesome Comics Podcast, which is just, you know, it's, I just think is the, the greatest small press podcast it out is, there. It is, yes. And, and, you know, and you've got the, and a lot of the podcasts that I love listening to, I just think, well, I don't want to try and step into that field. But what this, what Art92 does is we look at kind of anything that encompasses, you know, um, art comics and anything creative so we've had some some um, comic artists on there you know we've had john mccray and ryan brown people like that i've got a few more lined up we've had small press um creators on there we've had people from um you know movie posters we had i was fortunate enough to get to graham humphreys you know i think it's the greatest sort of that was fantastic oh that that guy and it's amazing how many people don't know about him you know they know his work because he did such legendary iconic images but they don't know it's him and he's such a nice guy so that was that and we try and talk about the process a bit more you know as well as a little bit about the creators themselves so 
yeah, we, we try and do something a bit different. I did one recently with, with Rachel Lee Carter where we looked at fanzines and stuff and, you know, and her work and what's her process. And then we did one with John Tucker recently about comedy and humour in, in comics and, you know, what what is it like to, to try and, you know, put some humour into a comic and what influenced him. So it's, it's more of just a, bit, a chat with people, really. Um, don't take ourselves seriously. Bit of okay. fun, you know. <laughs> Tell us what what's the podcast called, Damien? It's called Omen to That, um, which is it. It's a bit of a play on. Um, I was once accused of preaching at someone <laughs> because right. it was back in my, my. Dare I say it was back in my counselor days when I was a bit irate about something, and I kind of gave some guy a bit of a lecture about poverty, and just because you don't see poverty doesn't mean it's not there. And at the end, he went, oh, I thought you were going to finish with amen to that. And I went, no, I'm going to finish it with an omen to that. And then it's always stuck with me. So I thought, oh, I'll just nick that and use that because I couldn't think of anything else to call it, really. <laughs> Fantastic. So omen to that in your podcatchers or art92.podbean.com. And I'll put both the links to both your uh, your podcast and your website in the show notes. So look for them there, people. Uh, art92 doing great stuff. I love H's um pet portraits i'm thinking of actually commissioning her to get one of my son's little puppy they've just got oh so. right yeah it's yeah. funny you know because and bless her she, she only did one um for me my sister as a gift i think it was last christmas and then she put it on social media you know normally we only get like three people like anything we put up you know and you're one of them thank you so um, you know you kind of don't expect anything to come of it but then all of a sudden it was like do, can you you know do you do pet portraits and she's like well I don't really draw animals, and I'm like, you do, you know. <laughs> to be fair, and but they are beautiful though. And they are gorgeous. Yeah, and they take. I think she does do animals. She doesn't understand why people like them, and it's strange. And I'm saying, well, two things. One is if you look at an equivalent pet portrait out in the market, some of the prices for what she charges, you're talking maybe three, four times the price. But but more importantly than that, they're not. You know, because people say like, oh, well, you know, I've got this nice photograph. And people have said, well, why don't they just use the photograph? But when you look at the way H renders a pet portrait and you look at the photograph she's working from, there's so much more character in a drawing. And I think that's true of all good portraits, whether it's a, a pet or a human. You know, the, the act of actually putting marks down gives you so much more character um, that they come alive more than a, a really good photograph ever can. And that's what people love about them, you know. And they've got finite times with with pets, aren't they? So people want to kind of uh, immortalise them. I mean, she's offered to do children before now, and she's done a few, but they've kind of gone, no, I'd rather have my dog. (laughs) It's like, fair enough, you know. (laughs) But, yeah, they are lovely. They are lovely. I can't recommend them enough. I mean, not just just being selfish, but they are beautiful, really nice pieces of work. I'm, I'm trying to get her to do one of Marty, actually, but she hasn't got time. So it's like the office manager. Outrageous. <laughs> Check out H's work on art92.com uh, or on the Twitter account. Um, yeah, they are beautiful portraits. Commission one for, you, for your own animal because they're lovely. Brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> well, Damien, that's been great. Um, you know, two slim, floppy comics we've talked about, and we've managed to do a great bit about it. Um, you know, and if, as I say, if anybody's got a spare bob at Christmas, send it to the Hero Initiative in Steve Dillon's name. Um, and I will post all the images of the various wonderful bits of art that you've uh, either own or that you've, uh, you're after as Grail pages, because it's all just wonderful stuff. Um, great stuff, Damien. Thank you so much. No, thank you for having me. It's um, it's it's lovely to be back on, I and mean, I love Mega City Book Club. And it's it's amazing to think it was so long ago that we were sat in the uh, the juries in, yes. trying to hear each other. Oh, <laughs> it was too noisy. Yeah, <laughs> I do apologise. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's that. Thank you for having me back on, Damien. I genuinely appreciate it, mate. And I love the show, and um, I also love the the Sandman um, stuff you've been doing with your daughter as well. I think that's. I need to catch up on them, but really enjoying those really interesting concepts and fascinating to hear um both sides of the the the, the sort of thoughts on, yes. on the issues and stuff really good oh, that. thank you and i also started another podcast during lockdown <laughs> we it's all did greedy. didn't we <laughs> i know i know there's too many 
And thank you to everyone listening to Megacity Book Club. As ever, find all the links, including links to Damien's work at megacitybookclub.com. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, the 2080 forums, or email me, mcbcpodcast at gmail.com. Title music is Circuit Breaker by the artist Robodub at thefreemusicarchive.org. And that'll do us. Until next time on Megacity Book Club, when we're passing judgment on another great book, it's goodbye from me and... I used to be a werewolf, but I'm all right now. (laughs) 